0: If I can add my welcome to that of Doug's, my name is Lisa, for those of you who haven't yet met me. Um, I'm the curate here, and uh, apparently in the uh, handbook of good curates, they leave everyone else in the preaching team to choose uh, the passage in the series, and then they realize they get left with that passage. <laughs> Shall we pray? Lord, we, We come to your word with open hearts, seeking your way. Would you break through into our hearts and speak to us through these words? And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Amen. It's a beautiful passage. Let me share with you. Are you praying for breakthroughs or have you been praying hard for breakthroughs, for a situation that has been troubling you or troubling somebody you love, especially maybe for salvation? Well, here in Genesis 38, as we continue in our series of being human in a God-shaped world, what do we see? We see the humans in a complete mess. Yet God somehow, works through sexual misconduct, death, blame shifting, incest and a paternity scandal to bring about breakthroughs, to carry out his sovereign purposes and his redemptive work. The lesson is this, with God there is always hope, but it may look very different from what we expect. And here's a question. Do you know what the third verse of the New Testament is? Hold that thought. I'll come back to that in a little while. One writer speaking of this passage puts it like this. We often read the Bible as if it were a series of heartwarming stories designed to inspire us to good, clean, and moral living. But instead, we find a far more profound hope Because this disturbing passage moves beyond the ravages of sin to provide a picture of hope, transformation, and divine breakthrough for both Judah and for Tamar. It is the story of God triumphing over the evil in and among us. Judah's story, this chapter 38, seems to break the continuity of chapters 37 and 39, which is Joseph's story. But his story, Judah's story, occurs at the same time. And so the chapter starts. At that time, Judah left his brothers. You see, Joseph had been sold off to slavery in Egypt, and now Judah was leaving his brothers too, not wanting to be part of God's family. Perhaps he resented not being loved by his father, his father Jacob, as Rachel's sons were. If we were Judah, would we have wanted to stay in and around our father's household? Might we, like Judah, have chosen to try and make a fresh start on our own rather than being with our dysfunctional family? And the problem is with fresh starts, moving away from our family, our church, or our job doesn't really seem to change us, does it? Judah's problem was that he was not only turning his back on his family, he was also walking away from God and God's promises to him. He immersed himself among the Canaanites and all their evil practices, He married into them, despite God having commanded several times that Abraham's family should not do so. But even in a new setting, with a fresh start, Judah perpetuated the same old sinful patterns he'd learned from his father Jacob. Two of his grown sons, heir and Onan, were so evil that God struck them dead, as we heard in the passage. So much for Judah's fresh start. And yet, He blames his daughter-in-law, Tamar. He's blind to his own responsibility in all of this. I wonder if we might do the same, because others perhaps have sinned against us and made our life hard. Have we sometimes blamed others for our own sins? I want to consider for a moment Tamar's suffering, which is detailed just before our reading. She's a widow twice over, and she's still childless. And now her father-in-law, Judah, is withholding his third son from her, leaving her in a very low status in society. But Tamar's name means palm tree, an image of beauty. But now she no doubt felt used, shamed, and maybe even trapped. Perhaps some of us might feel shamed or trapped as tamar was and our question is there hope for us tamar sets out to right a wrong but does so in a very wrong way by deceiving judah her father-in-law just as he had deceived her how easy it is for us to respond to being wronged with more wrong so where then is the hope to break the cycle. But there is hope. But it comes from someone outside the cycle of sin and suffering. Someone from outside who can stop the cycle of sinful action and reaction. In this case, it happens with the birth of twins. One of them is called Perez, which means uh, breach or breakthrough. And likewise, the story ends with twin breakthroughs for Judah and Tamar. Notice how Judah jumps at the chance to get rid of Tamar, his own daughter-in-law, when he hears that she's pregnant. For with Tamar out of the way, his third son, Shelah, could marry somebody else. Judah imagined that his problems would be over. But Judah was blind to his own sin and hypocrisy. Yet even here, God showed him mercy, and it came through a simple message from Tamar. Her message was this, I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, "'She is more righteous than I, "'since I wouldn't give her to my son Shelah.'" Finally, Judah has a breakthrough. He sees the truth about himself. After years of blaming everyone else but himself, he recognizes his own guilt. We humans so often try to avoid being held responsible for our own sins. We're naturals at blame shifting. We might be trapped in denial and self-deception to which we are blinded unless God breaks through to us. Yet we often can't hear him until we are in loss or pain ourselves. But the story of Judah is also the story of opening our eyes. You see, in the Gospels, Jesus often gave sight to the blind. And likewise, God is the one who reveals himself to us and reveals to us who we truly are. He wants to open our eyes so that we might bring ourselves to him in repentance and receive his forgiveness. What might it look like if we let God open our eyes Open our eyes to our real state and then allow him to begin or continue his work of restoration. Let's take a moment to look at Tamar's breakthrough. One moment she was condemned and the next she was declared innocent by Judah's confession. And he said, she is more righteous than I. And now she is welcome back into the family. And as her son Perez's name means breakthrough, so Tamar's breakthrough also placed her right in the middle of God's redemptive purposes, not just for Israel, but for all humankind through one of the twins born to her. See, later in the Bible, Tamar is mentioned at two critical points. First of all, at the wedding of Ruth and Boaz. When the elders prayed, they prayed like this. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Once thought cursed, Tamar's memory was now invoked as a model of God's blessing. Through Boaz, a descendant of Perez, Tamar would become an ancestor of King David and then a thousand years later tamar's name appears again this time in matthew's genealogy as part of the line of jesus so the third verse of the new testament reads like this judah the father of peres and zerah whose mother was tamar tamar had faced a hopeless future at the bottom of society childless abused a discarded widow. However, through God's intervention, she became a mother of the Messiah. What an incredible picture this is of God's intervening grace. What a breakthrough of God's power and love to hopeless people, to victims, and to sinners. But what about our breakthrough in Jesus Christ? You see like judah and tamar we are all sinners that's why jesus came he came to heal us and to save us jesus is the greater perez he is the breakthrough son who came to seek and to save that which is lost and while we await full redemption of all things when he returns he has given us his greater seal and cord as his pledge. That word pledge, there is a word used only three times in the Old Testament, and all three times occur in this passage, pledge. Tamar asks for a pledge, and Judah gives her his seal as his pledge. Pledge. The pledge is the object which secures Tamar's righteousness. And then in the New Testament, we find that same word in the Greek in three places. Here's one of them from Ephesians. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, in other words, a pledge, Guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. This is Judah and Tamar's story headline scandalous mess, yet amazing grace. The God of the Bible is a specialist at turning our mess into glory by grace, He turns our ashes into beauty. He changes our mess into his message. He does not do good to people because people are good. Because, frankly, we're all a mess. But because he alone is good. Jesus calls us to confess, to repent, to turn away from what we realize and know is wrong. And to rejoice in him and his grace to forgive, and then to go on and to walk in newness of life and serve Him, the Lord who loves us. Heaven, I believe, will be filled with people who were all messed up but have been mended by His grace. That's the deeper story of Tamar and Judah. Judah, the line of Judah, Jesus name the lion of the tribe of Judah that's the deepest story for us too let's pray Lord Jesus we come to you again all of us messed up sinners Saved by grace, when we say yes to you, you take us and you begin the work of restoration, of redemption. Come Lord Jesus, come and fill the hearts of your people May they hear your words whispered over them again. I forgive you. I see you. I know you and I love you. fall afresh on us Amen